0: Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Throughout history, there have been individuals who have not only prayed that prayer, but walked it out as a lifestyle day by day. Each of these people have a story about creating and maintaining a revival culture wherever the Holy Spirit leads. This podcast is about capturing those stories and telling them to the world. So whether you are driving down the road, cutting your grass, working out, or just relaxing on your couch, thank you for choosing to join us for our Revival Chats. And welcome back again for another episode of Revival Chats. I'm your host, Spencer Lloyd, and as always, it's my pleasure to be here with all of you, whoever you are. Wherever you are, thanks for choosing to join us. Thanks for clicking, subscribe, downloading, streaming, whatever it is you're doing, you're hearing, and we're thankful. Uh, Today is the day. I have with me the one that many of you have been waiting on. I have had multiple requests for a podcast with this man, and uh, it's finally happening, and I'm so excited. Uh, Some of you already know who I'm talking about, the man, the myth, then the legend, Pastor Michael Douglas from Fairhaven Christ Fellowship. Pastor Mike, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. I've been looking forward to it, too. Uh, Without fail, and I know I was really hyping you up, yeah, but but with, with good reason. Uh, but every time I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating whenever this would come up, people would be like, well, you know who you need to get on the podcast. You, you really should get with pastor Mike. You should, you should have pastor Mike on there. And I'd say, I know, I know I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, (laughs) we're going to make it happen. So finally today we've got it. Uh, and so now I think that probably most people who are listening to this know who pastor Mike is. But for those who maybe don't, give, can you give just a little, a short version of who you are, give some context? Well, sure. I, uh, I was a deep, dark
1: sinner man until I was 33. Um, the Holy Spirit saved me in a meeting in Otwell, Indiana, where James Wright was evangelist. He preached two messages, which he never did before and never did since. And they, he says it in his in his uh, way of describing it. He said they were not sermonettes to Christianettes either. They were full messages, <laughs> full messages. And it, on the second, on the second message, it was on Good Friday. The first message he preached was was hypocrites in the church. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a community service where people are all together, you know, feel good about the community sure, and all sure. that. He preaches hypocrites in the church. Oh wow! And I'm on the front. Row aisle, not because I wanted to, but it was the only place to sit in that little church and he preached the second message, and it was Good Friday, and he preached what it was really like and wow. the Lord got a hold of me and uh, I prayed at the altar uh the most amazing prayer that I, that only God could have had me do because it wasn't in my background i I prayed uh, Lord, I can't believe that I'll ever be straightened out. They're, my life is such a mess. I've got cold beer in the van at church for goodness sakes and, <laughs> and on and on and on. And and that's and that's just the way that I'm known. My friends at work all call me mad dog because I would do the stupid thing that no one else would do. And, wow. and so I said, Lord, I can't believe that my life can ever be really straightened out, but I do believe you can save me and I do believe you can forgive my sin, and if you'll do that and give me a new heart, and I said, and then speak to me in a way that I can understand, mm. and and give me the strength to do it, and by the strength you give me, I'll, I'll follow you, and I look back, Spencer, and I think, where did that come from? It wasn't in the messages right there. It surely wasn't in my upbringing, and Wow. And so I made a I made my pact, my vow, my commitment to the Lord then to, if he'd speak to me in a way that I could understand, and if he'd give me the strength to do it by the strength he gave me, yeah. I would do it. And so that started April 1st, 1983. And and by the grace of God, I'm still struggling along that path. And
0: Well, that, I love just even that... Um, that's so cool. And then, uh, let's see, a year and <clears throat> well, no, that was April 1st, 1983. So then, about eight months, not too long after that, I came into the world. And oh my uh, goodness. And so, you know, if for no other reason, God got a hold of you so that the little baby who was born eight or nine months after you got saved, oh would, my goodness, would have an example and be able to. To learn and and sit with you and uh, and here we are just a couple of years after that, yeah, yes, it seems like it. That's that's so cool. Okay, so uh, for those of you, um, I'm going to give a little bit more context too. So how I know you, uh, many of you probably know uh, the other pastor here, the senior pastor at Parker City, is Aaron Sims. Now, uh, Aaron Sims and I, now this is, I think, a really cool part of the story, and this will fit in with some of the story that you're going to tell later, but Aaron Sims and I know each other from Fellowship Youth Camp. Well, um, so when I heard that Aaron Sims was the new pastor at Parker City Christ Fellowship, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Like, I remember that guy. I'm, You know, like, and there was a part of me, when I hear of people who I knew from FYC still still doing it, still walking the walk, I'm like all right, there's another one. Somebody, somebody's held on, you know, so I was like, well, that's really cool. I'm glad. Uh, but, and I don't think, well, and I knew that he had been down South. So this is for the listeners. He was, uh, an associate down at Fairhaven Christ Fellowship. Uh, before he was an associate, he was just there serving one you. Of the youth, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so then, uh, and if you want to know more of Aaron's story, you can listen to his podcast. It's episode number one. So uh, Aaron comes back then, and he's there serving you. Then he becomes the associate. Then he becomes the senior pastor. And that lasted for what, nine months or something? Nine months. Nine months. And uh, then the Lord brings him to Parker. And then the script got flipped, and you're you're back as the senior pastor there at Fairhaven yes. again. And uh, so, anyway, Pastor Mike was Aaron's mentor, uh, and um, I would say he probably still looks to you for, uh, for help and uh, things along the way, and it's fun. And um, so, anyway, there's there's connecting some of the dots for some of the listeners. Um, now, not not too often do I come into a podcast like this where I like. Where I kind of know the direction that I'm I'm wanting to see the, the the stories go, but with you, I've heard some really fantastic stories before that I want our listeners to be able to hear. And the first one, well, and you can whatever sense whatever way whatever way it makes most sense for you to tell them, okay. go right ahead. But sure. I I really want our listeners to hear about Chef Bob, uh, and then I also want to hear want them to hear about um, the time the night that Brother Helm came to youth camp and you're Thank out there cooking the garbage cans and uh and, and the the altar call that night mm-hmm. um and in my in my recollection those two stories can kind of be woven together uh you know you'll find a way to do it you're sure. you're pretty good at that but um i'm just gonna sit back and listen again and i might ask some questions sure here I'm, and there but i'm here to serve so. uh, well i just want to hear you. so talk tell us about chef, who who is chef bob
1: well, to to tell you that I need to tell you something ahead. Okay, a little bit. All right. Uh, and uh, Pastor Dan came to be our pastor in 1985. In 1989, in March, he called me down to his house to talk to me. I was one of the two deacons, and he lived across the street. No, this is Dan Light. Dan Light. Okay. Uh huh. And so uh, he, the Lord, had been working with him, and he had uh, he felt like we were to have a youth camp, and that I was to help. Okay. And that was, that's all of the plan he knew. That's it. <laughs> okay. And so he didn't know because inside, the old man inside of me is screaming, no way, Jose. I mean, I used to be a band director, and we had, he had a lot, big, big band, and I had so many camps. And so when I left teaching, I thought, I'm really thankful that I'm finished with camps. So uh, I wasn't I wasn't excited about having camp, but I don't think he knows it. And I guess if he hears this, maybe he'll hear it. But sure. I just smiled and said, "You know, praise the Lord. I'd, I'd love to help." <laughs> and, and so that was our meeting. That was the total. I mean, that's the that's the whole summation of the meeting. So, okay. so for about the next couple of days, all I can think about is the food, what we're going to eat at camp, and. And uh, it was really frustrating to me. It wasn't a blessing. It was frustrating to me because I thought, well, Lord, what what what, uh, what do I care? I mean, we, we hoped that Scott Depot would be involved, and they had a Christian school, and they had cooks. and Sure. That, that's how I just imagined that okay. it might go full. So anyway, it went for several days, and <clears throat> all I can think about is food. One night uh, at 3 in the morning, I'm laying in bed, it's in a time of year when it's important that I be that I be active in my own work, I own my own business. But I, all I could think about, Spencer, was the food, the food, the food. Mm. Specific things might be this, might be that, and okay. and it was frustrating to me. And so, in in really more an act of uh, frustration than anything, I got out of bed and I sat down at the kitchen table. I looked at the clock; it's three in the morning, and I got out some index cards like this and. Mm-hmm. And I started what I thought was doodling. And almost immediately, I began to realize that the Lord was helping me. And before I knew it, within moments, my hand is writing faster than my mind is thinking.
0: That's amazing. And I
1: never had anything happen like that. I never heard of anything like that. And it's just me and the Lord. It's three in the morning. And before I know it, I got the whole menu down. We come in on a come in on a Monday and the first meal is this, Tuesdays, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Wednesday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Thursday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And and I just was I was so shaken, I didn't I wasn't sure what to do. I'd never been to that place in my life. And wow. there was one one thing on the menu that really buffaloed me. <laughs> because as this is happening happening, I'm almost thinking almost as an outsider as though I'm watching it happen sure uh, oh Lord just this, this doesn't mean I'm the cook does it <laughs> and and then he and then, and then the Lord didn't say that I was the cook and so I'm holding on to that maybe I'm not the cook but he also didn't say you weren't but I've also got this fear that I am it's all happening all at one time and, and it happened in seconds I mean it's going to take me a lot longer to tell about those seconds than it actually, Took to happen, and and uh, I look back over the menu, and Wednesday night, of that first camp, we were going to have roast beef, uh, baked potatoes, and blackberry cobbler, and I don't know what all. I wow. mean, all the meals except for the one when you first come in, they were all like you go to grandma's house and have. They were all big meals. They weren't. There wasn't any tuna surprise or you know any of this any of this <laughs> okay. stuff. And so, all right. and so I thought. Well, the thought I honestly had was not a spiritual one. I thought, well, you know, I've got, I've got a brain. It's time to use it. I went to scratch that out, <laughs> and the Lord dealt with me. No, don't touch that. Leave that alone. And so I said, wow. now in fear, I said, Lord, if 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 you want me to cook roast beef, I said, God, you're going to have to send somebody to show me what to do. And when I said that, Spencer, the peace of Christ just fell on me like a like a shower, and I am at absolute rest. Wow. And I go back,
0: and I lay down in our water bed and went to sleep. Now, I want to ask you a question. At that point in time, did you have any idea of how many campers were oh, going to no. be there, how many oh, people you'd no. be no, feeding? No, we didn't have any okay. idea. Okay. Now, as it turned out, we had 159.
1: Okay. But but we didn't know if it's going to be 30 or 50 or 80 or 100 whatever it was. Okay. And so so I went to, went to bed. So the next morning, which was really the same morning, because we were in a waterbed without a baffle, and you have to be my age to even know what that is, but when you, one side moves, the other person knows it. Oh, and yeah. So my wife, when we when we're both up, she said, "Honey, what was the matter last night?" And I said, "Honey, nothing's a matter." She said, "Well, what what was keeping you up?" And I said, I think the Lord gave me the menu for youth camp. Spencer, immediately she said, that doesn't mean we're cooking, does it? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm not really positive about that. But she knew. She said, can I see it? And so, sure. So each menu, each uh,
0: each day is on a three by five card. Now, i I sorry. I want to interrupt you real quick because yeah. another part of your story that I just remembered came back to me. So I want to fill in the blank here. Kathy was a believer before you. Oh, yeah. Your wife, Kathy. Yeah. She was praying for you. Oh, yeah. To be saved. Now, this is really cool. I just learned something. Is that uh, Aaron and I were recently just in, um, I think this is where we were, in in, uh, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Tennessee. Yeah. And um, I think this is who I was sitting with. Uh, I'm almost positive or was it when we were in, it could have been when we were in Michigan and I was sitting with Gary and Sarah. It was either when we were with Gary and Sarah or when we were with Jerry and Laurel. Okay. I can't remember, but one of them said that they were at, oh man, I wish I could remember who this was. They said they were, they were someplace with some women of, of the fellowship churches and Kathy came and Kathy said to them, Hold on, it's coming back to me now. It's almost back. Kathy said to them, nope, it was Donna Freeman. Donna Freeman was was here. Kathy came someplace where she was. Kathy is with these women requesting prayer for her husband who doesn't know the Lord yet. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously the Lord answers that prayer April 1st of 1983. Yes, This was the cool part of that story. This is where the the circle closes, is that not too long uh, ago, the Lord had Aaron call David and Donna Freeman Hmm. and pray for them. And so uh, it was just this really cool circle. Donna is part of this prayer group that's praying for your salvation. Uh The Lord answers that prayer. Then Then the Lord sends Aaron to you. Yeah to be mentored by lots you lots of years in between lots of yes, years in between yeah. and then Aaron is now back then praying okay yeah. so sorry that that maybe seemed like a really far stretch of a, of an interruption for the listeners but i was just thinking about the importance of knowing that Kathy had been saved for a, at least a while before the lord brought you in oh yeah i wouldn't
1: uh i you know i don't know how do you know what would have happened if had she not done that but she was integral it, it, her she got saved and didn't tell me oh, she really? was in a, yeah, she was in a Bible study, okay, Helen Dunn again. i we always call her Grandma Helen. she right. was the leader of our church the first two years okay and uh, uh she was uh, uh, she was in that bible study and uh and I got so jealous i I told my wife at one point I said, that's all you want to do is be down there with Helen. I said, "I not you just live down there." And I mean, I was a real jerk, oh, wow. and she just loved me, Spencer. Through everything, wow. she never lost her temper. She never got flustered. She just loved me, and I was a handful of a man to love. And I'm not <laughs> going to tell you why. You'll just have to believe me. Okay. But in that process, she never she never tried to witness to me. She never said you need to go to church. Wow. She never never said anything. The scriptures say, you know, talk about the women of old, you know, who who, yes. who who found a a man's heart changed and without a word being spoken. And that's really how I was prepared for salvation. Wow. The day I'd been away at business meetings and uh, I came home and it was uh, the Thursday before Good Friday and uh, she said to me, you know, we went to hear somebody speak last night and he was really good and I think you'd like him, uh, he's going to be speaking tonight, which would have been Good Friday, mm-hmm. and uh, and then and then she just turned around. She didn't wait for it. She didn't wa- wait wait for me to respond. Huh. And so I'm I'm kind of hollering at her back. That's already gone out of the room. I'm pretty busy. I'm not going to be able to, you know. And and the and God by His Spirit, I know what it is now. He di- it's like He spoke to me, but I, I I didn't know it. I just knew it was an awareness. It was like He said, you know, she didn't ask for much.
0: And I remember
1: wow. thinking to myself, Spencer, who knows? Maybe, maybe this is the time for me. Wow. Well, on that day, on the good of thir- uh, the Thursday before Good Friday, the Lord put it on five different people to fast and pray for my salvation without knowing a story. Wow. God just sovereignly did it. Wow. And so, uh, and so that's that's how I that's how I came into the kingdom. Okay. The the one other thing I would tell you, and it's 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 necessary. You know, I'm a gardener, and I've learned that if you have a if when you have a plant, if you have if you keep it in that little container it was first born in, Mm -hmm. the thing it'll never grow. It'll be stunted, and later on you'll take it out and put it in a big area, and it'll never overcome the slow start it got. Really. Many times. Mm. And the reason I'm telling you this. When we left the church, I've got cold beer sloshing in the van. I'm still crying. I'm still all broken up. And I'm telling my wife, honey, I I, I don't know. Maybe I can be a good Christian, but I'm not sure I can be a good Methodist. Sure. That's where she was, the okay. Methodist church. Here's what she said. She lo- looked at me with love in her eyes, and she said, well, honey, you pray about it. And if the Lord tells us to be someplace else, I'll go with you. Wow. She she just gave me a pot as big as as big as the arms of God to be planted in. Yeah. So I never wrestled her to see who's going to be the head of the house. I never, wow. even though I was the junior spiritually. So, and anyway, so that's it, that, that. Had it not happened that way, I don't know that I'd have a story.
0: Well, and and I think so. Now we're going to fast forward back to Kathy saying. Well, that doesn't mean we're the cooks. Yeah. But even though she's saying that in her heart, I'm sure she's still saying... But if the Lord says we're the cooks, then we're the cooks. Yeah, I mean, I don't have time to tell it now,
1: but we've been on so many adventures, and it started out that way. And so she had a reason to be a little gunshot when I say, you know, you just, all I have to do is to say, you know, honey, I thank the Lord, and, and I see it. You know, she's, oh, no. Yeah, she's got, oh, my goodness, where, where, where are we going? So anyway, okay. so, so uh, she said, can I see it? So I showed her the cards. Friday, Monday, Tuesday. And she's looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all, she, all of a sudden, I can see her turning over the days. And now she comes to Wednesday, and and, and she's here's what she said, Spencer. She said, "Honey," in other words, <laughs> have you lost your mind? She said, "Roast beef." She said, "Honey, nobody. It's a youth camp. It's like she's going to talk to my common sense to me. It's a youth camp. Nobody has roast beef at a youth camp, honey." And and so I, I'm telling. I said, "Honey, I know that." I know, and I tried several times to scratch it out. And the Lord made it clear to me to leave that alone. And I said, Lord, if we're going to do this, you're going to have to send somebody to help us. And I said, honey, I believe God is going to send somebody to help us to know about roast beef. And when I said those words, I guess the same piece that hit me at 3.15 in the morning hit her. And from that time, we both had We both had peace. Now, we don't know how it's going to happen, Sure, but we got rest. Okay, And so a couple of days go by, a day, a day, I don't know, because the three in the morning messes me up. So the story I'm going to tell, I don't know if it was later that day or if it was the next day, but it was within 48 hours. I'm out doing my work, and I'm in uh, um, Leavenworth, Indiana, and I pull onto uh, I-64, and I'm pulling on the ramp. I see on the side of a the road there's a man standing there, an old man, where was uh, thin man wearing a suit and a tie and a ascot, and he's not carrying a bag. Hmm. And so I pull over, and I and I, I you know, I, I he got in, and I said what you'd say to a hitchhiker, Where are you hmm. headed? He said Minneapolis, Minnesota, and he's not carrying a bag. <laughs> and we're so far from there, I don't even know how far. And I said, Well, where have you been? And he said, Well, I've I've they've they they found I have cancer of the spine and I've uh I'm uh, they're trying to treat me here in Louisville and uh and I'm on I'm on my way home. And I said, Bob, what did you do before you got sick? He said, I was the head chef. At the Radisson Hotel in Chicago, Illinois, for seven for for eleven years, and then the head chef at the Radisson in Minneapolis for seven. When wow. then I just started crying and weeping. I'm undone. I don't want to be, and I, I just because I'm thinking. Well, he starts he starts writing or drawing or doodling on a little tablet, the old kind with the spiral on the top that yeah. you flip it over. I mean, sure. I don't even know if they make those and. Curiosity is killing me. I gotta know what he's doing. And and finally, I said to him, Bob. He was off to the side, and I said, Bob, can I? Could, what what are you doing, Spencer? He said, I want to show you a technique that I invented when I was chef at the Radisson for cooking roast beef for large <laughs> numbers of people.
0: Now, okay. Had you said anything to him? No. (laughs) No. I hadn't said anything. You pick up a hitchhiker. Pick up up a hitchhiker. With no bags. No bags. Just happens that he's the head chef at two prominent restaurants. Yes. And then what he starts doodling is roast beef. It's roast beef. And I did
1: not mention anything. And I said, Bob, I said, it could be that I might have something to do with cooking at a youth camp. And I said, you know everything. And. And I don't know anything. And so he started, Spencer, pouring out chef secrets for me. In other words, if I were an accomplished chef, he's giving me the things that an accomplished chef might not know, the things that he knows, because he was the head chef. Sure. I didn't know this, but a place like that has many chefs. A breakfast person, sometimes they call it an opener, but they're they're a chef. There's a salad chef. There's a meat chef. Mm -hmm. There's a vegetable chef, dessert chef, sometimes a pastry chef. And he's the head chef. And so he's telling me the things that a good chef wouldn't know, but because I got no background, it's all going over my head. So I'm here, I am in my little Chrysler minivan, and I'm driving, and I've got my, a blank card up there, and I'm trying to write on the center of the wheel, and i just when it's, I can't read anything. I couldn't later. I could not read one word that I wrote. And so, and he's just pouring things out, but it's all going right over my head. And I try to get him off the road. I try to, let's go get a hamburger. No, let's get a drink. Do you need the bathroom? I couldn't get him off the road. So we get all the way, an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. And now we're at the turn to my house turn off the highway, and I try to get him to go with me Mm -hmm. and uh, spend the weekend, and no, no, he goes. And so now I'm almost desperate in my heart because I feel like here's the answer to everything I'm ever going to need to know, and we're splitting our ways, and he's going to Minneapolis, and I'm going to Owensville, and this thing is coming up soon. And I said, as I'm letting him out, I said, Bob, is there any way that I could ever see you again and and he said well I've got to be back in this area and uh on us uh, and I said do you know when and so he got out a little a little business card and he had it we used to do things like that there would be a there would be the month there and then when you go to the doctor they would circle the day when your appointment is right. and so so you don't forget sure. well I haven't seen one since that time but he well that's just that's just uh, just before youth camp, and I realize if 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 I can catch him on the way down, you know, and so he gives me information how I can reach him. Okay, he gives me phone numbers, he gives me addresses, but there's something eating me. It's just been eating at me all this time. I thought I know him, I, I know him, but I thought how could I know him? I've I've never been to Minneapolis, I've never mm-hmm. been to I've never been to those places. How could I know him? And it was, it took a while. And I realized, Spencer, that I had met him about three to three and a half years earlier. And in my work, I work with schools. And I was driving from Washington, Indiana on Highway 50, which runs east and west. And then it drops down. It ends up in, in uh, uh, Louisville. Okay. And I'm on this secondary road. And it's raining so hard that you can't hardly see. And all of a sudden, I see a man standing in front of the van. It looks like I'm going to hit him in a moment. I mean, he's in front of my van. And I stomped the brake. And I slid off. And I slid off into the ditch a little. And and I'm thinking, that 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 man's going to get killed and and I backed up and he was standing there this tall thin guy in a suit and a tie and not carrying a bag and he got in the got in the van and I said where are you going he said well I'm I'm going to Louisville I've got cancer of the spine and and they they think they can treat me there and so so I know I don't I don't have time to drive him all the way to Louisville but I drive him about Maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know. An hour or two, or whatever it was, and. I realize I've realized I've got to get back and yet I realize I need to take him and I also know I've only got 17 dollars in my billfold so there's no way I can take care of him so so I stopped we didn't have cell phones and I stopped and I called a friend in the next town that we're coming to which is Lagody Indiana and I called my friend who was the pastor of the church where I got saved even though James Wright was priest, See, it's all drawn together and I don't want to get you lost in the details but at the same time I want you to try to get a great grasp of what yeah. really is going on and this is three and a half years before I met him that well, I've already told you about and so I called him I say, look, uh, Roger, uh, said look Roger I said I need your help there's a man here and he needs help and I need you to go have these with me that's stupid that's what I said and, and he said I'll do it and so I met him at an Amish uh, restaurant okay and we bought him a meal together and we had to find a place for the night and he, he and so there was an old time um, um, rooming house uh, that I've never seen one before or since where people all stay on one floor and okay. there's a bathroom at the end sure. and it's everybody's bathroom yeah. and so we get him we get him set up so we fed him we got him I tuck him in I'm going home by now it's late I'm getting home and it's 8 or 9 o'clock at night and my wife's worried because I should have been home hours ago sure. and when I walk in the door she said honey where have you been and and I said honey there was a man I, picked him, I told him a story and I told and 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 she and she looked at me, she said, Honey, she said, when he gets out of the hospital, it's it's gonna be Thanksgiving. If he doesn't have family, why didn't you invite him to be with us? Why well, just felt like a dog, Spencer? <laughs> I just felt like an absolute <laughs> dog. And I, I felt so bad. I said, Honey, I'm so sorry. It didn't even think of me. I didn't think of it. So the next morning at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. my wife and I get on the phone and we dial every Hospital and clinic in the Louisville area, and nobody has heard of Robert Chapdo. It's like he doesn't exist. And Spencer, wow. all the time, the Lord is bringing this <coughs> part. All the all the time, the Lord is bringing this thought to me. Be careful how you entertain strangers, because some of. Entertained angels unaware. And wow. I'm shaking it off. I'm thinking, no, that can't be it. That can't be it. I realized the man that I started by telling you the story, I had met him three and a half years before. No contact in between. And so anyway, he comes back just before camp. And he calls me on the phone. I never knew how to reach him. He'd give me numbers. They didn't work. He'd give me addresses. We'd write the letters. would come back. It was like he didn't exist, Spencer. Wow. Unless I needed him, <laughs> he called me, and I remember every every time he called me it was always exactly the same. Hello, guess who this is? I said, Bob. This is. You. He said, Yes, yes, yes. I said, I said, Where are you? I'm down at the truck. i up. Instead of saying truck stop, he said truck him up. I'm down at the truck him up. And I said, well, I'm coming to get you. Oh, I don't want to be in trouble. Bob, I want to kind of get you. Oh, I don't want to be in trouble. It was always exactly the same. <laughs> so I went and I sat down with him for, I forget, several hours. And we went over the menu that the Lord had already given me. And he kept saying, this is good. This is good. And he's evaluating it in terms of nutrition. But okay. I don't even, I'm, I can't even get in the conversation. I know I got nothing to run on except what the Lord gave me finally said to me how'd you get this menu and I just looked at him and smiled and he said oh yeah I said Jesus told you wow well he went over every item and I've got I've got the, the case right over there with every 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 item he told me exactly what to do how to do every item including roast beef and when we, we were there several hours, and when it was time finally to go, he just insisted on telling me how to make instant mashed potatoes. Well, instant mashed potatoes wasn't on the list the Lord gave me. And besides that, I don't expect ever to make instant mashed potatoes because sure. I don't like instant right. mashed potatoes. And I'm not going to make them if I don't <laughs> like them. But he just insists on telling me. Okay. And so I write them down just to be courteous. But I'm thinking all the time. Okay, but this ain't going to happen. <laughs> so we get to camp. We get to camp. I'm leaving out a lot. We get to camp, and it's time for roast beef, and it's and roast beef Wednesday night. And in the afternoon, late afternoon, I'd ordered special baking potatoes. They're two or three times cost of a regular potato. Okay. And and they're all bakers, and they're big. And I just got them thinking, this is going to be the easiest part of the whole thing. Wash these and rub them down with some oil and some salt, wrap them in, foil and put them in the oven, leave them alone. Yeah. Well, we opened them up, Spencer, and every one of them had black mold and stuff all over them. They were just awful. Oh man. Now, you could have peeled them and and you know, used them, but I did so I, I just I'm thinking, oh Lord, what do I do? And so I drive to Dale, Indiana, the little closest town to Lincoln Park, and I walk into this little grocery store and I ask the little girl, I said, Do you have baking potatoes? Oh yeah. She takes me over and they've got like twelve or fourteen baked potatoes. Oh, and yeah. I've got hundred and fifty-nine to feed. And, and we're getting close. The time is short now. Uh, to do anything yeah. is going to be a wonder. And in absolute desperation, I closed my eyes right there in the aisle of that little grocery store. And I prayed as fervently as I can ever remember praying. I said, Jesus, I'm in trouble. You know I'm in trouble. It's not my fault. You know it's not my fault. But I don't know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I said, give me a sign. New believers always wanting a sign. I <laughs> said, Lord, give me a sign. And evidently, Spencer, I walked while I was praying. I don't remember walking while I was praying. When I opened my eyes, I'm here in front of this ginormous display of Orida instant potatoes. <laughs> I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> I hear you. So I, so I grabbed the things that I get the milk, and I, we go back, and, and we do what he said. And those potatoes, Spencer, were so good. Now, Pastor Dan was, I don't want to say he was a snob, potato snob, but connoisseur. He was a connoisseur, that's what I'm saying. There we go. Yeah, forget, you can edit that snob part out. He was a connoisseur. After we served those, he came to me at the end of that meal. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, brother, were those, were those instant potatoes or real potatoes? And I said, Well, you had them. You tell me. And there's one of the campers, one of the campers ran up and said, well, they're real. I know because I had a lump in mine. (laughs) So anyway, God was, God was so good. But there's one part I got to tell you. Okay. On Wednesday, we're getting ready to have roast beef. And uh, there's so much, do you just have to leave it out? We used a cut of meat called a clod, a clod. So I went to the man, and, the meat man, and I offer and I order a beef clod. And he's done meat all his life, and he looks at me like I'm a fool. He said, You want a clod? And I said, Yes, I don't know what it is. All I know is that's what he said I'm supposed to get. But well, Chef Bob told you to get this. Told me to get it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm doing all I know to do is what he told me Just, to do. Yeah. I can't sure. explain why. And so come to find out, that's an old time cut of meat that nobody uses anymore. And he told me, He said, That's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You don't want to do that. You want to use this cut. So anyway, I told him, I said, listen, if you sell me what i asking for, if it doesn't work, it'll be my fault. Well, we used the clod. It's, I'll leave all that story out. It, it, the meat's going to be really good. Now we're just warming it up. We're 15 minutes before that meal on Wednesday night. It turned out that of all the days in that first camp, that Wednesday was the day that's the day most special in my memory. It's about about 15 till five. We eat at five. And we're all rushing around doing those last minute things. The The last few minutes when you're serving 159 people are always the most hectic. Making sure everything is covered. Sure, Spencer, at about 15 minutes until five, one of our campers, Carol Elpers, one of the ladies who's a cook, she just began to pray this simple little prayer, Lord, help us, or Something that's all there was to it, Mm -hmm. and the glory of God fell in the kitchen. I've never seen it before, but when it happens, you know what happens. Sure, it's like it's like a mist, although you couldn't feel it, it was like a cloud. Wow, and you couldn't see the person you were two or three feet away. You could see that there was a mass, but you couldn't tell if it was man or woman. You couldn't, you knew there were other humans with you. And when it happened, when it fell, at the instant it fell, everybody began to praise God with everything in you. And I lost my voice in the first few seconds. Wow. In seconds, I got nothing but a squeak. And somehow, this is going to sound carnal, but it wasn't. Somehow, I ended up with a a pot, a large U.S. Navy pot, a Mm -hmm. big pot. And somehow, I had a wooden spoon in my hand. and. While the glory was there, I just pounded that spoon on that pot, which sounds so carnal. But when God comes like that, yeah, you you have to respond. You don't have any choice. Sure, you're gonna respond. That's and right. and I didn't realize what anybody else was doing, Spencer. But they were all doing the same thing. Wow. And about five till, just as it fell, it lifted, and it's gone just that fast. And now it's just us and our humanity and. I've got a pot, and I've got a spoon, and I sat it down. Something happened that was years before the person confessed. The lady that started praying the prayer, probably the most sophisticated of us all,
0: Mm.
1: when when the glory lifted, she was standing on top of a stainless steel table. Wow. With no remembrance of how that happened, and she was so embarrassed by it when the glory lifted, you're back, to, you're back to earth, and she got down and never said anything <laughs> for years. Well, that night, that was when the kids came in. They were already lined up at the bell to come in, and when they came in, I mean, there was. Absolutely no sound. They came in absolutely quietly and reverently. Wow. And they all sat down. They all knew something had happened. I don't know what they thought. That night, the The pastor Wright was preaching on the asphalt right behind the kitchen. And after the meeting is over, we hear in the kitchen, we hear what sounds like a riot. It doesn't sound spiritual. Mm. It's just... It's just voices and noise. It sounds like a riot. And we looked out back, and I'll never forget what I saw. The kids were all praising God just like I've never seen young people, and there's no adults in charge now. The meeting is over. This is just kids. Mm. And, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, they'd all bow down, and it would be absolutely quiet. And then a per, one young person would stand up and say, come on, we've got to obey God, and would exhort and exhort and exhort. The kids would, yeah, 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 yeah. And then pff, they would all go down. It, was, it couldn't be humanly orchestrated. Wow! They all dropped down, absolutely quiet. It happened over and over and over. That night, lives were changed. Yeah, One of those lives was my daughter, Laura. Wow. And she has never been the same. I found out later Somewhere in that same time, she led her friend to the Lord Jesus. And, and that's just, I don't know. We've got to be over the time. And, oh, no. But no, I just yeah. didn't know where to quit or how to stop.
0: No, that's good. And, uh, and, but
1: God has just been so faithful. And as I look back in my life, at one time I had, I've had a number of associates. And at one time, a, a young man named Stephen Claspel, Mm-hmm. he's uh he he was with me for a short time in between he was in a senior ministry himself and he was with us in a time when he needed a place and so he served with me a little while and he had it on his heart and he just dogged me about it spencer and he said he said pastor mike i really believe that you need to write down all the miracles that you've seen god do yeah, And the people have told me that, and it always overwhelms me because it's so much, it's so big a job. And I sat down in my chair when he had gone, and I began to realize, you know, it's not like him to be forceful with me. God's got to be talking to him. And mm-hmm. I got out cards, three by five cards, and I've got them with me. And I started writing down two or three words that would remember a miracle. Like if I wrote roast beef, all the story I've told you all comes with roast beef. Or Chef Bob or the menu or whatever. Yeah. And before I got out of that chair, Spencer, I looked and I had written down 340 times when God had done a miracle. Not always, but most of the time. That I could bring another person, said, Yeah, I saw it, I tasted it, I touched it, I felt it, I witness. And that was many years ago when God's wow. been faithful.
0: Well, <clears throat> we probably have about uh fifteen uh maybe about fifteen more minutes. Do you think that you could uh tell one more story? Um the cooking in garbage cans. Fellowship Youth Camp. Uh, do you think you can fit that sure. in fifteen minutes? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, you keep watch with
1: me and let me know. if But I'm, I'm I'm confident we can. Okay. Every year, every year we tried to pray over what the menu was going to be. Every year, the Lord put it in my heart that we wanted to make it as special as we could, no matter what it cost. And so we had steak on the grill. We had catfish fillets. We had fried chicken. We had, we had all these things as though money were no object. Sure. Because Chef Bob told me how to do things on a budget. He, he fed the Democratic Party uh, at their banquet uh, uh, for 82 cents a plate. Oh my goodness. It was roast beef and some other things. And so he helped me to know how to do that. (laughs) So, so anyway, I'm just, I'm saying that to say that we tried to be creative and tried to see the Lord's heart. One of the things that the Lord brought me across was a way to cook in cans. Now, the people that did it initially cooked in cans like uh, Charlie Chip cans, but you may have to be my age to even know what that is. Yeah, but, that doesn't sound familiar. But to me. now there are cans that Walmart has and the fancy popcorn places have, you know, the, okay. the large can yeah. canisters that hold maybe okay, yeah. two gallons or two and a half gallons or sure, something. Sure, I know like what you're talking about. Okay. So that's how we did it the first time. But the Lord put it on my heart that we were going to cook for, I forget how many people. It was a bunch, over 200. We were going to cook in garbage cans. And so I bought new garbage cans. And and the way we did it, we put Coke in the bottom and then some bricks in the bottom. And then we put a grate like you'd use on your charcoal grill. And then you would stack food on top of that. So the food never touched the Coke. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had, we had corn stuffed down, up still in the shuck. Then we put potatoes, the biggest potatoes we could find. Then carrots, the biggest carrots we could find. And some of them were like a small child's baseball bat, like that big Oh wow! In Incredible. Okay. So we had them stuffed. And then we got every kind of sausage we could come up with, polsco bosses and, and just everything we could. And we just crammed that all on top. And then we put the lid on it. We had a little tiny hole in the, in the top. Then we put, we put fire under it. Okay. We had six of them going. And as soon as steam started coming out, one hour later, the food's ready, ready to eat. Okay. So it's a, it's a sim- of all the things we do, it's the simplest thing you, you, you could possibly do. Well, the trouble was at camp, we had a terrible rainstorm. It rained and rained and rained. And the things that I use for heat, the hot plates, if you will, would each one of them would boil three fifty-five gallon drums of water? It, when you lit it, it was like a, a, sounded like a jet engine. Yeah. And so because of that, I moved it far away from the kitchen as I could. Well, it was in a low place, Uh-oh. and when it rained, <laughs> it rained, and we had we had water in an inchards so deep,
0: oh, man. and that
1: turned into mud. Of course. And so we took cardboard boxes out of the garbage. And put them all over so we'd have a mat to stand on when we're cooking. Sure. So I'm standing outside, cooking in garbage cans, (laughs) standing in the mud on on cardboard boxes we got out of the trash, and all of a sudden, here comes this big fancy car, and he gets out, and I see it's Reverend Helm, and I remember my first thought, oh, Lord, take me now. (laughs) I just... Of, you know, we had just had steak on the grill. we're going to have catfish, we're going to have all these things, and this is the day the lord the Lord sends him and I never forget if you knew him, you can envision this was I'm telling you he got out of this, he got out of the vehicle and he looked at me with those eyes that just they just would melt and and he said, "Praise the Lord, son, and he got out and he loved me. And And I was so embarrassed, but it was all okay because I knew I was doing all I could. I was doing all I should, and God knows about it. I found out later, Spencer, he came during the junior high week. Mm -hmm. He only came once in 14 years, and he came during the junior high week. And one of the people with him had gotten word through one of us, this is kind of hearsay, that he had said, He came for the junior high week because maybe they would hear. Mm. And so just before that, just before we went to camp, I had everything loaded. We're getting ready to go. Everything's packed. The trailers are loaded. The trucks are loaded. And the Lord puts it on my heart to take my music. Well, I never get out of the Kitchen, never. Sure, I'm in the kitchen before anybody's up. We're in the kitchen before everybody's gone to bed, and and it was it was almost funny to me. And I took my case, my little, it held 36 tapes in those days. were Sure, sure. And so I remembered Spencer taking my tape and just giving it a flip and it spins on the carpet inside of the van door. And I shut it. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I've, there. I've obeyed, but There's this is crazy, it. <laughs> you know, thinking it probably wasn't the Lord, but I'm going to obey as if it was. And if it's not, it's in the Lord's hand. So at, at we have a meal and Reverend Hill is eating his corn. He's just eating corn. He's got corn all over his face. He's just <laughs> he's just slopping and slurping. And he's having a greatest time with corn. You know, he loved corn. Yeah. So then he went to have the meeting, and their sure. meeting's at the other end of camp, and and uh, and and we're still in the kitchen. We have a meeting at the end of every time we'd have a meeting. Okay, what went right? What went wrong? What should we learn? Did we get the right portions? Blah blah blah. All of a sudden, Stephen Plasbel comes flying through the door. And he says, and he's just screaming at me. He said, he said, Brother Mike said, Brother Mike said, said, Brother Helm says it's 14. Brother Helm says it's 14. Oh, man. I thought, oh, my God. And I'm wearing my camp hat. I'm wearing my camp (laughs) apron. I've been, I smell like the food we've been cooking. I've been, my feet have been in the mud. And so I I jump in her van. I know where the mute, my music is because I never took it out. Sure. So I don't know what 14 is, but, So we're driving up, and when we get out, Spencer, we walk up to the meeting, and Reverend Helm is doing what he never did ever before. He's telling the kids what a stinker I had been.
0: (laughs) Come to find out, he'd
1: been telling them that since he he sent for me. So it had been 10 minutes maybe. Okay. He's telling them about the old me. Sure. Which he, he never does. You know that. He would never. No. Never. They're so uncharacteristic. So... So when he get up, he know asked me to sing some number fourteen. I don't even know what it is. They gave him my case, and they took out fourteen and put it in. And when the music starts, it's a song called "He Saw What I Could Be." Wow! And uh, uh, how does it? How does it? Say? The, the first the first words I start singing is a loser without direction. I wandered aimlessly on the backside of a place called nowhere, forgotten by humanity. When they talked about potential, they did not refer to me, cause everyone could clearly see what I was I'd always be. But he saw not what I was. He saw what I could be. And so I'm sick. When I got to the chorus, I've never seen anything like this ever. I would say somewhere between half and two-thirds of the kids stood straight up. And began to come to the altar, but not like I've ever seen anybody ever come to the altar. And they were all coming the same way. It's like they're being compelled. They were. I know that you can't see what I'm doing, but they. It's like their shoulders were arched, and like it's like there was a knuckle in their back driving them. And they all wow. came, and they all came in a moment. And I didn't know, I didn't know. But Brother Helm said one thing. He in his, as I'm singing, he said, "Come." I didn't even wow. hear it. They. Come and they came and flooded the altar. God did so much in the lives of those kids that there was no way to pray for them all. There, there aren't enough adults. There are too many kids. That, sure. The kids are s- solid. So then, so when it's done and when when things settle, he has me stay and wants me to sing "New Lives for Old." He never got the title right ever. <laughs> He'd say, son, sing the old man. Sing the old for the new, the whatever. And you know what? God did this same thing again. And the kids jumped to their feet in the middle of the song. They all came compelled. Wow. And we didn't realize, but some of the kids that came found the Lord, and and it proved to be an important time for them. Sure. Because some of them would not always be with us. Yeah. And so what's it worth following the Holy Spirit? You feel like a fool. It doesn't look right. You can't explain it to anybody. And even other Christians wonder about the lunacy that seems like you're headed to. But God has a purpose and a plan, and he knows what he's doing. Amen. And every day is a special day. They're not all like that. But ever since the day I came to Christ, I've not had one day that I, except that I was aware of his presence.
0: Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm I'm uh, interested in this picture that you have on the table in front of us, and I'm sure it's there for a reason. That's Chef Bob. Oh, it's Chef Bob. Yeah, Robert Chapdo. Well, here, I'm going to take a look at it. Wouldn't you know? No, I've never, I've never seen a picture of him. I'm, I've always heard you tell the story. I've never seen a picture. Chef Bob, over
1: and over, over and over. I tried to reach him. I couldn't. I tried to call. I couldn't. Tried to write. Couldn't. But when I needed him after camp, everybody believed that I could cook. <laughs> which is not true. <laughs> and so they would ask me to cook. Pastor would ask me to cook. Do this, do that. And it was stuff I wasn't on my first list, so I don't know how. Yeah. And I would pray. I'm I'm not I'm I'm aware of what I'm saying, and I'm not exaggerating. Every time I prayed, I said, God, I need Chef Bob. I can't reach him. I need Chef Bob and Spencer. Every time I said that, the next morning my phone rang. Wow. Guess who this is? Chef Bob, where are you? Truck I'm down up. to the truck about, I'm coming to get you. No, I don't <laughs> want to be in trouble. So exactly. The only time I ever saw him was when I needed him. Wow. And he was always there and I never prayed for him that he didn't show up and I could never find him any other way. Wow. Any other time.
0: Well, that is truly remarkable. I, uh, I'm thankful that, uh, you well and well. All of those things that he imparted, taught you certainly were helpful for youth camp. But think about all the other places you went and all the other meals you well, prepared. You fed, fed thousands. Of thousands, yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm I'm glad that you're telling us the story because I I have a tendency to believe that um, we might be back at Lincoln State Park before too long, cooking for some teenagers again. And so I'm uh I'm sure glad that I've got you uh on my side and I can call you and uh maybe we can cook uh cook some more potatoes in a garbage garbage can again and uh it sounds like a fu- like a fun thing. Well, uh for those of you listening, I mean we know that we could sit and listen to Pastor Mike tell stories indefinitely. I think uh, I know I could, uh, but unfortunately for this episode, we've run out of time. Uh, but pastor Mike, you know what that means? It means you have to come back and we have to hear some more stories because you're sitting here telling some, and I'm, I'm thinking about the roast beef that went bad. That story that you could tell. I'm I thinking, you know about that. Well, well, okay. Maybe we should, we'll just rewind that part. We hope it <laughs> till never happened. I think it's time. I think you can tell the story. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking about, um, uh, Oh, there's just so many others that you've told me. Um, Of course, now they're all, as soon as I would try to turn and think of them, they would all pop right out of my head. But, uh, you know, we were not too long ago, we were in a truck together driving from Nebraska to Indiana, and that was just a little bit of a drive. And so we got to hear some good stories. And I know the listeners would like to hear those too. Um, The important thing to remember, though, is they're not just stories. They're testimonies of God's faithfulness. And so, well, Pastor Mike, I always like to ask whoever's sitting on the other side of the table from me to say a prayer for our listeners before we go. Would you be willing to do that? The Lord help me, I w- I'm willing. Okay. Jesus, I thank you that it's all about you.
1: It's always been about you. It'll always be about you. Your word really is true when it says we do have a great treasure, but it's in an earthen vessel in order that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. God, you're no respecter of persons and you've got a plan and you've got a person, a plan and a purpose, pardon me, for every person that might hear this podcast. And Lord, I pray that you'll stir each person down to the very depths, to the innermost place and you'll encourage everyone to know that God is God, and he'll work with anyone that'll surrender to him and follow him with all their heart. And I pray, God, that faith will come alive in every person and that they'll have the courage to do what seems like it is not possible, believing that you are God, and with you there's nothing impossible. Lord, have your way with saints all across this country and all around the world. And we pray, Lord, that when revival comes, we'll find ourselves, as for me and our house, find doing and finding and doing the will of God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength for Your glory. And we ask it in Your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, <clears throat> Pastor Mike, thanks so much for taking time, hanging out with me. Uh, never gets old. Never gets old Um, And uh, for those of you who are uh, listening I want to thank you as well for coming along For our uh, ride, uh, for hearing these stories Uh, You know, I think this is episode number 13 or somewhere around there And, uh, you know, every time I sit down with somebody I'm just amazed at the variety of the stories That God can tell through His people who are willing to say yes And so um, that's my prayer for you is that you'll be one of the people that's willing to say yes, that God will write your story uh, and that through that he's making history. Um, But until next time, I just want to say one more time, thanks again so much for joining us for these Revival Chats.